0: Long, long day. I got a lot to say. It feels like I'm carrying a two-ton weight. I go see a friend.
1: Hello, I'm Monsignor Patrick Winslow.
0: And I am Father Matthew Kauth. And we are speaking from the rooftop. A podcast brought to you by Tan Books, in which we invite you to join our conversation out here in the open air. Where we look out upon the world around us from the rooftop
1: of the church and share with you what we see.
0: Makes me wanna from the to the I know Hello.
1: I- <laughs> so <laughs> alright.
0: <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. You just like, well. Well, hello. Yeah, well, hello. <laughs> hello.
1: <laughs> so we're on the rooftop of the church looking out in the world.
0: We are. Please
1: tell me what you see.
0: What do I see? I see, I see right now um, the feast of St. Patrick and the way in which everyone. And on the
1: horizon, St. St. Joseph. Joseph.
0: So I thought we might want to talk a little bit about, from our vantage point, how one a celebrates saints' days hmm. and how the church once regulated, and to some degree still does, her seasons by virtue of various um, saint days. Because I think one of the mm-hmm. things that's, it's really difficult to fathom is that planting crops, harvesting, various things throughout the year were all done on certain saints days because that's when it always happened. Mm-hmm. But it became so ingrained in the people. We have this idea, a modern idea, of course, that that there was this thing called the church and there's this thing called the state and they were part of your wellness wheel, uh, pieces in the mm-hmm. pie, as if the faith wasn't imbued in every possible sector of life, uh, which was a bit confusing when they began to mess around with the calendar because you also messed around with people's long Mm -hmm. traditions relative to these things. But two saints days that have stayed the same and have stood the test of time for a while anyway. You mean stayed the same on the calendar. On the calendar and which have clear, uh, one has huge implications for everyone that is today, which is a Friday in Lent. And the other one is rather new. of
1: St. Patrick. Because by the time this airs, we'll be well past it.
0: Exactly. But St. Patrick today, St. Joseph on the 19th, Whereas St. Joseph is a relatively new feast, not in itself per se, but in its, its widespread celebration. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: since you are named Patrick, maybe you want to begin with the nature of celebrating Saints' Days, but also celebrating St. Patty's Day.
1: My earliest memory. <laughs> Of that's, celebrating. By the way, everyone
0: out there, that's a long time no, ago. No, no, so no. go back to black and white. Oh, you Or just, perhaps even just, just radio.
1: No. So my earliest memory of celebrating St. Patrick's Day really goes back to the time when McDonald's used to offer the shamrock shape. <laughs> and there was a special, or at least my family told me there was a special, that if you demonstrated proved in some way that your name was Patrick, they would give you one for free. Now,
0: this Which is probably is compelling the reason dad argument. named you Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: true. Just for the benefit. He's so cheap. <laughs> That's true. Just for the benefit. Well, and so I remember telling my grandmother I wanted to go, right? It's a big deal. It's St. Patrick's Day. My name's Patrick. I get a free shamrock shake. But, you know, I, I, now that I look back at it, I suspect <laughs> my grandma just paid for the shake, Could but be. it was probably just a uh, something that was told to me. That said, it should have been free for Amen. all of us patrons Amen. out there. You know, I don't know what St. Matthew's Day would bring about, but nothing. Maybe a small fry. Uh, no, it's
0: tax day. It's Tax day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you pay more. <laughs> Good point. Well, um, but you know, it's amazing how something as simple as that. Are seared into my memory. Mm. So we often think about penitential time, but we don't always think about how we celebrate feasts. The notion of, of sacred time, I mean, it's even in the Code of Canon Law, right? We talk about mm. um, sacred time and how we observe time and times of year. Uh, but that notion we don't often look at we were sort of caught in the current of a custom or a tradition. So St. Patrick's Day for me, growing up, I remember corned beef and cabbage. It just, it was gonna happen, right? (laughs) It wasn't like we all look forward to it the way you would look forward to a Thanksgiving turkey, but you just knew that you were gonna have corned beef and cabbage because that's what you do. And when I was a kid, I also remember every Friday being no meat. Sure. So that's where I developed my total aversion to the flavor of fish
0: <laughs> because we Because had, it probably wasn't fish.
1: It was a fish stick. <laughs> and that is the really one of the nastiest flavors that I've ever, ever had to endure. And so as a kid that was, I, I, I would take fasting all day long, and I'm a man who loves food, I would take fasting all day long to avoid that flavor. Now, I have entered into nicer fishes, and I don't the way I get around it is I have <laughs> entered that, into they're, they're, you
0: sound like you, sound, you sound like Jonah. I have entered into nicer fishes. nicer fishes
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I i'm i'm I think of like salmon or sea bass. I'm like they're not really fish. But that's how I get over my mental hurdle. It was that bad, uh, but that said. I have a distinct memory of Fridays not having meat. I have a distinct memory of St. Patrick's Day having corned beef and cabbage. I have distinct memory about Christmas Christmas Eve and Christmas Day dinners. And food then becomes very much a part of how we celebrate these feasts. Obviously, we should involve prayer. Obviously, we should involve actually reflecting upon the saint or the particular sacred occasion. But the way in which we manifest that joy and celebration, rightly named feasts, is by
0: feasting. Right, right. No, so true. I think that the fish um, notion growing up every Friday, of course, that was the church's discipline, um, and still is to some degree. You can substitute it, as you all know, but... Um, unfortunately, probably few, few of us think to substitute it yeah. with anything significant, and so it, outside of Lent it, it, in Lent it's required. outside pro- of Lent right, you can substitute right. something else. And the problem, the problem with that individual choice is understandable as it is, is just that it, it you lost something culturally. Yeah, because people did things together. You, were, you didn't you didn't get a choice, and that was part right. of the goodness of it is that everyone was in the same boat, and so we have that sense in Lent, but it's the reason that. Typically, the McDonald's or whatever would have the fish fillet. There's no other reason to have that fish fillet, except people didn't even eat meet on Fridays. Um, mm-hmm. It's the reason you had all kinds of things that the Knights of Columbus would and still put on, right? Related to fish fries and things like that. So it just, it just created a kind of cultural adhesion.
1: And that's from a kid's perspective, really. That's what we're talking about. Because quite honestly, today, I was excited to hear the officer readings, uh, the writing of St. Patrick. Right. Right. So now that I'm an adult, I have an appreciation for the life of the saint. Um, it's not just about corned beef and cabbage.
0: No, but it does... It, I mean, if, if you can have both, right? Well, that's because, it. It is both. Yeah. The, the, the nature of... Sometimes the nature of the faith gets approached um, almost too cerebrally and not so much viscerally, that we create these things in culture that everyone gets to be a part of. I mean, the Italian culture, of course, traditionally you know, we're coming up on St. Joseph's and they have very specific food that only you only get on the Feast of St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. The zeppole, The Zeppeli. Yeah. Um, and, and, like and lots of different feasts that had the same sort of thing. And it typically was, not always, but typically tied to that's exactly the kind of time in which this thing was available. Mm-hmm. We're so used now to being able to basically get any kind of food any time of year, but yeah. the Italians still do have a sense of this is what you eat at this time of year, that time of year. And it, it you know became embroidered into the lives of these various feast days of the saints. And I I love that because you you realize you're not gonna get that again. That's the one time, which we kind of do with turkey. Like how many people make a turkey the rest yeah. the rest of the year? And you may wanna throw that out, say, I don't even like turkey. On some level, it doesn't matter. We all try to do a better job of a turkey every year and try to yeah. come with a new recipe, but it's just the fun of doing
1: it. And knowing that everyone, all these people, that you don't know are going to the grocery store for the same reason same as reason. you, doing the same sort of thing. Yeah. It does breed a type of community yeah, among uh, people of a of some common purpose. Yeah, and so uh, it has deeper significance in the life of the faithful as manifesting a type of communion that is deeper. But these are fruits of that, right? You right. Know? Um, and, and it makes a lot of sense that. The actual feasting is part of celebrating a feast day. But as a kid, I never woke up and said, hey, I can't wait to learn or think about St. Patrick today. I mean, it was a a shamrock and it was the shake. It was, you know, one of those little leprechauns. You know, it was a lot of green. (laughs) A lot of green. You go through your teenage years and college years. It's all about green beer and things like that.
0: Yeah, and that's that's an interesting question, isn't it? You wonder to some degree to the extent to which we have dropped these things, in some ways is the extent Fulton Sheen used to say, you know, we dropped the beads, meaning the rosary, and people started hanging them up. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd go through a list of things saying that these were cultural artifacts that were driven by a cohesion to a faith that we dismissed or dropped or lost the meaning of. And since the world has no real things to sort of bring it together the secular realm they pick them up but then yeah. they infuse them
1: with, with secular, value.
0: secular values which so the green partying beer, the-, the partying the, the 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 carnevale which literally means say goodbye to me right because used yeah. to our fast we used to be more serious and so a carnival a carnevale or or um, mardi gras which is literally like right, fat tuesday yeah they get co-opted they get co- they they, they are.
1: and and the christians used to be the one co-opting the secular culture yes uh but you're right. It it is a flip, and you know, our, our and they're taken it and
0: think... they love it. Of I mean, the whole world loves St. Paddy's Day. Well, they like Mardi Gras. They like we don't Saint think Patty's about St. Patty's Day, <laughs> right? St. Patrick, just like all the names yeah. that you have in in Spanish uh, colonial culture, right? Mm-hmm. From Sacramento to Los Angeles, right to to San Diego, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No one thinks about those places as having anything to do with with the faith, but of course they did. They did and we've lost it. Absolutely. Now that being said, not to be dour, I guess the question then it's becomes too late for that. <laughs> how do you how do we regenerate? Because I don't I don't think it yes, you can do it in terms of your family and you should. You should have those saints that you're particularly devoted to, the saints to whom your kids are devoted to especially if you're, if your if your children have a any particular devotion to a saint but also the the their name day which is still a part of most of Western Catholic culture, celebrating one's name day, one's saint's name, also their, their confirmation saints, etc. cetera. Those should be particularly highlighted in, 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 the, in the course of a family's year. Um, and it could be special things you only get at that time. That's a great way to do it. I do think though there's, it's still sort of lacking that it doesn't make other people do it um, or invite other people to do it. And so, That's one thing ecclesial or even in terms of a parish, you could sort of institute that these are certain feasts in a parish, which, you know, you did at at St. Thomas, for example, the World Feast, because we had so many nationalities there, Mm -hmm. but which is not celebrating a particular saint, but... Another, it was
1: the conclusion of our Fatima devotion. It was the Fatima So it was devotions. the first Saturday after May, um, October thirteenth. The miracle.
0: Because Our Lady's Fatima is for everyone, and it's universal. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: a universal devotion.
0: And before that, at, at the other parish, you had the wonderful Italian fest. Which Italian was, festival, which no one was, was it, Italian. Was that it Saint Gennaro's? or was it? I uh, don't
1: even know what what day we did it on. Yeah, I, okay, I can't remember. It actually <laughs> corresponded to a a sweet spot in the local calendar. Gotcha. Uh, but that said it was a it was a wonderful occasion whereas these things are a lot of work
0: they're a lot of work
1: which means they will go to the wayside if you don't show up yes. and pull them off yes and you know disappointed a bit that things got scaled back On you know yeah. in some of my efforts to bring something to it but i grew to bring these types of festivals these feasts uh, to parish life they get turned into picnics and things like that which is just a bit small ball it's yeah. not quite the same yeah so i grew up with feasts you know there was the feast of our lady of fatima there was the feast of saint anthony's and people would go to them they would go out for days they would start like a, on a thursday They go thursday maybe a friday but definitely a friday saturday sunday but they could start earlier mm-hmm. and there would definitely be food that you wouldn't get anywhere else yeah and up in upstate new york you'd also have some gambling a gambling tent you know, things like that. Um, that was just, yeah, that was part of the culture. So you had all sorts of things that were going on. They bring in a carnival, you know, mm, with the rides. Yes,
0: right, right, right.
1: Everybody looked forward to it. The town, Catholics and non-Catholics, would be sorely disappointed without it. Right. The easy thing to do is not do it. Right. The easy thing to do Let these is to die. say, well, consider all the work we put into it. It's not a really a money raiser, you know, a fundraiser, because... If you consider the hours of labor, or we're, we're all working for less than minimum wage, in order to generate this income, but that's not what you do it.
0: Right, right, exactly. We I, did.
1: I, I I can't even imagine a life where those feasts and festivals didn't happen. But yet, people in many dioceses are growing up where these things are like relics of the past. Yes,
0: and this is a, this is a huge hugely problematic in the fact that we have now we have the vast majority of people um, who are would consider themselves fairly lonely um, because there, there aren't those sort of social um, invitations to be part of something. And you know, I was reading a book recently, really interesting book, um, just about this sort of disconnectedness of, of the youth relative to, um, they've only grown up with social interactions on their phone. And so they, they don't have meaningful conversations with people time, And they're, they're quite content on some level with not doing that which is massively problematic Mm. for the for the future but it's not that hard to create but it does take work I remember a parish I had in the mountains when I was up there um, someone came up to me and just talked about a festival he had when he was a kid which is for Corpus Christi and instead of doing the the flower petal um, images upon which you would walk with the monstrance right as as part of the procession for Corpus Christi um, his parish did sawdust and they would color sawdust, tons and tons of sawdust, and they would color it all kinds of different, you know, uh, shades. And they would design things and lay them out on these quote-unquote chalk carpets, and you'd take the different colors and you would you would fill them in, almost like a, like a crayon sort of book, right? And I I said let's do it, let's try it, and he organized it, he was great at it. Um, and it became a, a parish custom, you know, for five, six, seven years, and to the point where I had kids, you know, that started it when they were three or four, and then you know they get to seven, eight, or nine, they just assume, right, that that's, this is what everyone does. Oh,
1: for them, it's always been that time been of year, way. and
0: you infuse it with all kinds of, you know, I mean, as soon as you've walked through with the blessed sacrament, you walk back, back out with cotton candy, pretzels, you know, you name it. You got to, yeah. <laughs> you got, you got to give some incentive. Absolutely. Um, but unfortunately, that was stopped too. But in his parish, he said it had gone on for like a hundred years um mm. that they had done this thing.
1: And you and, would never imagine not doing it. Yeah. Right? It just would be something you wouldn't do. It's the same sort of thing. Um you know, for Christmas time, I think at Christmas time, it's hard to imagine our society and our culture not having the decorations and the lights and things like yeah. that. That said. It all needs to be rooted in something deeper and more meaningful. It all needs to be connected. If it is, it's just a powerful synergy across the board. Uh, It's the way life should be led, with a sense of sacred time, a sense of a rhythm of a week, of a year, a sense of a rhythm of the seasons of the church, the feasts of the church. Uh, It's it's a natural sense, right? These rhythms are natural, and we build upon them, and we co-opt nature. To reflect mm-hmm. uh, a higher meaning, a higher significance, yeah. uh, an eternal rhythm, if you will, and eternal realities. I remember reading about Ratzinger when he was a boy. He commented what it was like growing up in a community, and was it Marktel Inn? I think that's where he was okay. raised, in Marktel uh, southern Bavaria, Germany. He commented about how Catholicism was the great equalizer, the faith was a great equalizer. He said you would show up on Saturday and in the same confession line would be a humble manual worker and the most wealthy person in town Mm -hmm. all standing there as sinners waiting to go and confess and to humble themselves before god
0: and all knelt the same rail
1: they knelt the same rail Uh, they confessed to the same god that it was equalizing that there was something so profoundly um, impactful about that notion.
0: Right, that we all have various roles of stewardship under God and levels of authority that are just participations and the only one who has authority who is Him. But in the end... And, but you're all, in the end, attempting to at work his, for the common good and you're at you're, His mercy. You're at His mercy. At
1: His service. Yeah. And it, And then I would imagine that would inspire, it should have inspired a sense of respect and dignity from somebody who had a higher social status or economic situation toward those who were in lesser yes. rungs and n- not breed as much animus as one may have if in you know in the, in the reversal where somebody might be a lesser economic condition or lesser lesser social level because they see each other as as dealing with the same fabric of life the same eternal realities
0: well and we can speak to this as priests too i mean it's it's interesting that that we're professionally at at times we've spoken about this many times we're sort of professionally devotional in other words Mm -hmm. we're sacramentally configured to be able to give god's gifts to his people and as a result it's part of your opus day it's part of your labor your work of god to do that and As a matter of fact, there's a great line from a book I once read called uh, Judas' Marriage. And this woman in the book is converting, and her first experience of Catholicism and beginning this process, she goes to a, a mass and she sees this priest walk up there and sort of lay out his chalice and mess with a book and sort of he's dressed up in these clothes she doesn't understand. And, and she described it as, it seemed as if he was a plumber. Who walked up there with his tool toolbox, you know, laid him out on the altar, um, unleashed, you know, got the waters working, opened the taps, closed the taps back off, and then put everything back into his his toolbox, and then and then went home. And that's true professionally. Right? You and I are conduits of that for the people of God, and as devotional as that can be for us personally. It need not be, because we can we can do the work without it be participating in the work. And the reason I bring that up is that one of the things I, I think is so interesting as as priests that you and I can you know, have engaged in before, whether it's the Fatima processions at the parish or actual pilgrimages. The thing that's always struck me about pilgrimages, especially when I was living in Rome and I saw so many priests come, is to watch the priests with the faithful doing something devotional. Yeah, where they're not sort of leading by virtue of a sacrament, and as as it were, unleashing like a plumber those right. those waters of of grace. Um, but they're they're walking up on their knees. They're touching their rosary to a saint's tomb, right? They're kneeling down, praying the rosary itself, or or devotionally beholding the body of a saint, or etc. Um, I love watching and having the opportunity myself to do things with the faithful that we're all kind of at that. Same communion yeah, rail. To see
1: the shepherd as a pilgrim, yeah, you know that's very important. I, I also like devotions and acts of piety because they're coming from ourselves; they're coming from within, and they're gestures toward God by our own initiation. Whereas when you go to mass, you're fundamentally on the receiving end, right? right. You are receiving. Christ's offering and sacrifice, His body and blood, you're receiving Him, and uh, you know. To be quite honest, He's the one doing the work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we go there, and we are served. Right. Same thing with any of the other sacraments, but when when you have a devotion, like for example, the Fatima devotion, where we had these processions on the 13th of the month, from May 13th, to October 13th the time of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima in Portugal. When we did those, you went and you gave. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about receiving. Mm -hmm. It was about you giving. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, if anyone had requested that we had a Mass as part of that devotion, I would have said no. Right. Because it would have changed that. Right. And again, I'm a big fan of oh, Daily of course, Mass. And, of course, absolutely. And um, uh, yeah, that's the thing that hooked me in my right. life is Daily Mass. But you also need opportunity to give.
0: Right. And to be creative in that giving. I mean, you know, there's no question about you know, a a conscious and active role relative to the Holy Mass. That is to say, I'm uniting my sacrifices. I'm uniting my will. You put something into it. I'm participating, I'm putting something in. I'm kneading my sufferings, as it were, into into that bread before it's consecrated. I'm I'm trying to offer. But it is ultimately His sacrifice at at which we come to adore and to receive. And as you say, with the devotions, there's something that's sort of uniquely creative about them. In our response to what we did at holy mass like i'm going to bake this thing i'm going to make this a uh, carpet i'm going to um what have you mean this by carpet festivity. you mean the, the, the chalk the, the chalk carpet the the you would walk on and destroy Christ christie with right? your your feet with your feet which seems so incredibly right it's a sacrifice it's, it's yeah, an offering it's wonderful um in in this simple but beautiful way in which communities across Christendom have always responded to God's gifts. They have come up with things to say, now it's our turn. Yeah. Now we want to give you this. This is why it takes work and why it's not about the bottom line or the finances or whatever else. So I don't mean to throw any of our our brother priests, you know, under the bus and so, so as to say, go out to your priest and tell him, let's do these devotions or whatever else. <laughs> um, it shouldn't be something the priest organizes, frankly. Mm-hmm. It should be something that the faithful organize, Mm -hmm. that the priest can support, um, that you come with these various saints' days or whatever is important to the parish, to the people of your parish, et cetera, and say, let's start something. And it can be small, but let it be consistent and get people on board with you offering something back to, to our Lord in honor and praise of the saint and his work in that saint or this particular feast day or whatever the case may be. Such that the parish is a place where we don't just come to Holy Mass, but it's the place where we're going to go give something to our Lord with consistency.
1: Yes. And the way in which you could get something started, the right way to get something started, would be not to go to your priest and say, Hey, we should be doing this. Exactly. Because <laughs> what the priest hears is You should be doing this. You should be doing this, right? right? The priest hears somebody telling them what, another thing they need to do. But if you go to the your, your parish priest and you say, look, um, I think this would be a really good idea. What do you think? I'd be willing to organize it, make it happen. But it can't be so priest-dependent that it becomes almost like another event on the schedule. It really ought to be the devotion of the faithful. Now, it doesn't mean that there isn't a place of course, uh, for the priest to lead, to lead, or lead to something or to be a part of it. But if needed, a deacon could step in or if needed... An, you know even a seminarian for a, on a summer assignment could be able to pull something off that sort of thing if you approach it that way if that is your request you might get somewhere yeah
0: I and mean, what really priest doesn't love in. doesn't love to walk into his church his parish center is whatever yeah. where he's stationed and see people praying see mm-hmm. people doing these acts of devotion to our lord i just did a parish mission uh, at a local parish here and it was it was striking. The parish is open all day long. It doesn't close until 9 p.m. And you know, I went there throughout various parts of the day. And I don't think I ever went in there and didn't see people yeah. um, praying. I think that's um, the way it should be. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think uh, doors to churches should be open. I think we have te- enough technology these days to monitor and to keep secure. Yes. Cameras, alarms, things like that i mean i even some parishes that have perpetual adoration right. the people who go they know the code and it's this little punch code mm. to be able to get in i think we can use technology enough i don't like the excuse for security and safety purposes we throw a bolt and, well it's you know, funny right you say that
0: because i just finished <laughs> a trip outside this diocese and i tried to three different churches there are a lot so i called some more mm-hmm. and every per- every single church said i just want to go pray yeah, and yes, I can pray in my room, and I did, but I, you know, I was on the road, and I really wanted to be able to pray before the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. And the churches that I called said the same thing. For security purposes, we have to lock, we we don't open up until ten minutes before mass, and we lock up, lock up right after it. Yeah. Now, mind you, this one place I was traveling was probably the highest income per capita place I've ever been in my life. Right, right. There was not exactly not a, a lot a big of risk threat of there, danger.
1: <laughs> <there. Yeah. laughs> See, if I were a, a wealthy benefactor, I think I would make a, restrict, a restricted donation toward a church project that the doors of the church would have to be open. I'd be happy to, that a portion of whatever funds that I gave would go to the security system to allow for that to be done safely. But honestly, why, you know, why raise all of this money among the faithful to build a church that has that have these slim, narrow windows?
0: I know. No, right, it, these are places to any time. This is for them. Anytime. This is
1: for the faithful. Open the doors. Yes,
0: open the doors. Amen.
1: Let us in.
0: Amen. What is Just wrong with it, those Preach it, brother. Priests? Preach it.
1: What is wrong with those priests?
0: <laughs> you know, the, 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 some disgruntled parishioners are going to be sending this to, to oh, no. our various brother priests and saying, these
1: priests say you should I know. Well, listen, I'll throw you under the bus. I say, well, that, Father Kauth was mimicking me, and I didn't really say that. That's right. But exactly. He, he, That's right. <laughs> um, oh, some sort no, of deniable. We, we know that
0: there's always difficulties, but it can happen, and it must happen to keep these churches open.
1: No, it's true. And uh, honestly, I have no problem making that argument to our brother priests. It's so important. It is, it, it, and it's it, it's almost to the level of a pet peeve. Mm. You know, I I'm principally opposed to the notion, but I'm so irritated by it. It's almost. As though pet peeves are escalating something from principle to mm. something even higher i'm it's it peeves me
0: well good you're in you're in a position to do something about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh i hate that kind of work
0: <laughs> well before we go father yes um what you were just talking about reminded me of a beautiful little story uh that i recall when i lived in rome you know, for the most part, there are some Roman churches. There are 500 churches in the vicinity of Rome. I mean, a lot of churches. And obviously, a lot of them are locked. And some of them are locked at odd hours of the day, and they're all locked at night. A couple churches have some night adoration, etc. But there was one church down from where I lived, and he would stay open until like 11 o'clock or midnight. The church? The church itself would. So the priest would keep the church open? He kept it open. And it was right on a very busy shopping thoroughfares, a little close to the Trevi Fountain. So imagine how many people come by there. Sure. So he's attempting to provide an oasis that's people close could to the People could stop Indians. in to be quiet. To pray. And to pray. Devotion. What was really interesting about that church is 24-7, 365 days a year, he had Christmas music playing. <laughs> <laughs> was it recognizable? It was. It was. and It's not like old-fashioned Christmas music
1: where it sounds... No, like changed, chant. Just, no, no, no. It was, just I mean, there was the some
0: words. of that too, but it was mostly things you would recognize. Um, so
1: there were like Christmas carols.
0: Uh, quite a few. And some in English, even in Italy, right? I don't know how he put his, uh, his, his musical selection, selection together. He
1: probably, he probably put his first and only selection together during the Christmas season and just had that on a loop.
0: It. So I, I did find a way to ask someone in that church one time. And this is kind of an interesting response. Because the music was kind of piped out from the church. Like uh, once you got in, you didn't really hear it. So it was almost a, a hook. It was a hook. To pull people in. And the idea was that everyone loves Christmas music. Isn't that right? I thought that was so clever. Yeah. I mean, it was it, once I you mean, lived there, you kind the of got zeal. sick of it. <laughs> but I, mean, I loved the fantastic. zeal. I loved the idea. He just wanted people to go into his church and pray. And people did. People so, did.
1: All right. Well, then on uh, my last thing, I'll kind of pick up on that thought. In essence, what this priest is doing he isn't preaching to these people but he's letting the church Mm. itself Mm. preach to them Mm -hmm. all of the sacred elements uh all of the sacred images the atmosphere the feel the way prayer sticks to the walls and to the seats right as a kid i can bear witness to how powerful a church can have an impact as a child when I went to church, in fact, I could say pretty much up until I was about 20, I don't think I ever remembered a single word a priest ever said at any homily. They could have been the most beautiful orations, the most important and poignant things spoken. <laughs> but as a kid, That's right. I remember the church. That's right. Because my eyes were all over it. That's right. And... When we would go to some of the really more beautiful (laughs) ornate churches, churches, it leaves an impression on you.
0: Oh, I remember the very first time I went back home with you. Mm -hmm. We were in seminary, um, and you just took me from one church to another. And conversely, I grew up in a pizza hut. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it had an impression. Yeah, it speaks. Yeah, it had a huge impression. The old adage is that we form our buildings, and then the, the buildings form us. Yeah. And that's true especially the imagination for a child
1: oh yeah it's that's Mm. the truth and so very uh very clever idea this this man to allow the church to be able to evangelize and using the christmas music and an open door as a hook and a net Yep, it's fantastic it was good for him yeah
0: i don't think he's listening but in case he is bravo bravo Bravo. (laughs) (laughs) i'll
1: stop in now i'm gonna go look for it in fact you probably just Boosted among the tens of people that listen to us, boosted um, this, the traffic uh, to tra- his church. The traffic to his church as part of a destination well, for pilgrims. you know,
0: drop a euro in there and help them with the upkeep. Yeah, so, so me go there.
1: Do you remember the name of the church? I, I all right. Next it. next time, we need do to circle back. Do you remember it now?
0: I think I do. Yeah. Do I? But I'll I'll, I'll I'll we'll confirm check it.
1: Check it. We'll check it on the map. Make sure we get it right. Um, watch the the pastor has probably been moved on and. It's somebody else who locks sure. the door, but hopefully it's still happening. Yeah,
0: amen. Have a blessed week, everyone. All and right. A blessed feast of Saint Patrick, even though it'll be gone and over by the time you get and here. And Saint Joseph. By the it gets to and Saint Joseph and, and the Annunciation. The Annunciation
1: and that. Don't we wear? Or did we wear a rose this weekend?
0: Yeah, we're we're halfway there. We're more than
1: halfway through a season that anticipates a feast.
0: Yeah, and that's then, a lot going on. And then Holy Week holy week we have passion week so we have we have that four time before palm sunday and then we have palm sunday and spy wednesday holy thursday but we'll be back before then
1: that's your feast day
0: to give spy wednesday yes yeah that's the that's the betrayer's uh Mm -hmm. day when when, uh our blessed lord was betrayed by judas yeah
1: yep there we will see father cow (laughs) Having well, to, I to can't suppress deny his it. inner demons. I can't
0: deny it. And St. Philip Neri used to say every morning, the first thing he said to our blessed Lord, one of the first things he said every single day, watch out, Lord. Today, Philip's going to betray you. Oh! If you begin with that notion that humble. I need his grace to be able to not betray him, yeah. it's true. So that's really. I think I, I've turned this around on its head. And precious prayer there. That is a precious prayer.
1: Yeah, anyway. maybe you should say that. Don't worry.
0: I <laughs> will. <laughs> God bless you all. All right. Ciao. Thanks for listening to this episode of From the Rooftop.
1: For updates about new episodes, special guests, and exclusive deals for From the Rooftop listeners, sign up at rooftop.com podcast.com
0: and remember for more great ways to deepen your faith check out all the spiritual resources available at tanbooks.com. and we'll see you again next time from the rooftop